Let's just bow our heads and our hearts in prayer before we come to the word. Father, teach us this morning to meditate on your word and to be still. To be still until something overwhelming of the glory of God touches our lives. Help us to realize this morning, Father, that our bodies have become the temples of the Holy Spirit. The place where your Spirit dwells. The place which has become alive with the power of God. Cleansed by the blood of Christ. Set free from the power of sin. Being sanctified daily in your word until that day when Christ shall come. When the climax of history shall come upon us. And no longer will we be preaching the word. But we'll be caught up into the air and we'll be taken home to glory. Oh Lord, what a day that will be. And so we ask, Father, now that you will sanctify each one of us. And that in doing so you will glorify your name. Extend your kingdom. And touch all of our hearts here today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, When I came here today. um, I know my glass is often empty you know. And half full. Could I have a wee drink of water please? (laughs) Thank you. Um. When I came here today, I came with the intention, I had been meditating upon the Word of God, and it was Psalm 1. And last night, I was thinking to myself, the last time I preached in Psalm 1 was over at Motherwell. And there was a couple there called Andy and Adele, sitting over there, were there, and I thought, Lord, they need something fresh. And I began to think about something else. And I was going to go to Nehemiah. In fact, when I came in this morning, I said to Graham, we're going to go to Nehemiah this morning. He says, right, that's fine. Gave him a presentation. Went into the prayer meeting. And where's, was it Liz? Where is she? Ah, opened up Psalm 1. And the Spirit spoke to me and said, you've got to go to Psalm 1. So I'm sorry, Andy and Adele, if you've heard this already, I want you to be doubly blessed. But before we come to that, I want to share something else with you. Um, In the month of June, I was coming out the shower and I discovered that I had a lump. Now that gave me a lot of concern. Thank you very much. That gave me a lot of concern. And I said to Ruth, I said, Ruth, I've got a lump. She said, really? I said, yep. So we contacted the doctor. Got an appointment for the following day. Went down. She examined me and she said, Mr. Dyer, we need to get you into hospital. So I said, how long will it take to get into hospital? She says, you'll be in within two weeks. And so I got the appointment to go into hospital within two weeks. Ruth and I decided to keep it to ourselves for that moment in time because we didn't want the wider family to become alarmed by especially my daughter Alison and so privately I sought five people to pray about this and um, when I was over at 
Motherwell, Andy and Adele were there and I shared that with them and asked them if they would pray. And at the end of that meeting, they came and they laid hands on me and they prayed for me. Thank you. Thank you. I was so blessed. When I was at my own church, I was leaving the church one night and we have a lad that comes along regular. He's a pastor from Motherwell called Gary Blair. I don't know if you know him. Gary's superb. And Gary laid hands on me in the foyer and prayed for me. There were another three people praying for me at that moment in time. And I got up the morning to go to the hospital for the scan. The lump was gone. Hallelujah! The lump was gone. Bruce says, are you going to the hospital? I says, I'm going to the hospital. It wasn't me being faithless. It was for them to reveal that what the doctor had said was a lump had gone. And when I went and I asked her if she could explain to me what the doctor had said in the letter and the doctor, she said, has said that you've got a lump. And she said, we need to scan that lump. I said, well, look, I don't want to disappoint you. (laughs) She said, what do you mean? I said, the lump's gone. She says, get up here till we get you scanned. A lump just can't disappear. I can tell you there was no lump. She said, Mr. Dyer, I can't explain this. She said, I can. One word. She said, what's that? I said, God. God. Don't ask me to explain why with some people God will bring healing and with others he allows them to pass through the valley. But I know this, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in, he will give you the grace to pass through the valley. Keep on trusting him. This God that we have faith in is the Jesus who died on Calvary. He's the one who ascended into heaven and he's the one who sent his Holy Spirit to do that work in us after he went home to glory. And it means that we have to lean moment by moment, every moment of every day, of every month, of every year until he comes back again. We have to lean on him and trust him and ask him to fill us and to touch our lives with his presence. Not just now and again. Every day. Every day. And that's what he requires of us. The Bible says be filled with the spirit. We were praying about Pentecost in the, in the prayer meeting this morning. Can I just say this to you? If you want to see this place become alive with the power of God, get to the prayer meeting. It's the most neglected meeting in the churches that I attend. And I know you do prayer works. I want to encourage you. Build on your prayer life, both individually, privately, at home, but corporately in the church. It's vitally important for the life of the church and for the testimony of the church out into the community. Come to the prayer meeting. And don't prayer me your prayers. Listen to Jeremiah. Call upon me. 
And answer me, and I will show you great and mighty things that you knoweth not. That's a prayer. That's God saying to us, come on, I'm here, I'm sitting on my throne. The earth is my footstool. I'm far bigger than you could ever imagine. He says in the word of God that we're but grains of sand. And he's interested in you, and in you, and in you, and in you, and everyone in here. He's got a heart for you. He loves you. And if you're not redeemed by the blood of Christ, if you've not been saved by God's grace, I want you to know the Bible says here that God is not willing that any should perish. I want you to come to him. So what has he done for me? What has he done for those of us who, who know Christ? Who have come into a living relationship? Go to Colossians chapter 1. I love this. Colossians chapter 1. And I've not even started in Psalm 1 yet. Colossians chapter 1. And verse 13. What's he done for us? For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he's done. He's rescued me from my dominion of darkness when I was 13 years of age. What was my dominion of darkness? I was a thief. Duncan Donaldson from Airdrie was an alcoholic. The Apostle Paul was a blasphemer and a killer of Christians and a murderer and, and a manslayer of every person that believed in Jesus Christ. He got authority, letters of authority from the Roman authorities to persecute the Christians. And God stopped him in his tracks on the Damascus Road. My dear friend, I want to tell you this morning, it matters not what your domain of darkness is. He is able to deliver you. He is able to transform you. He is able and willing to forgive you all of your past. All of your sin which separates you from God and bring you into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's my God. Let's go to Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates both day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf it does not wither. And whatever he does... He prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. In this psalm we have two kinds of men referred to, the godly man and the ungodly, or the godly and the wicked. The lifestyles, two different lifestyles, the way of the godly and the way of the wicked. And two destinies, eternal life and eternal death. 
This psalm reminds everyone who enters through the door of this book of righteous behavior and a fruitful life, which is characteristic of the one who delights himself in the word of the Lord. Let me just say this. When this psalm was being penned, there were only five other books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And here's the psalmist saying, the one who is godly will delight himself in the law of the Lord. Can you imagine having a diet of the offerings? Some of it's heavy stuff in there. When you go and look at the Levitical offerings and all of the laws that were passed upon the children of Israel, it's heavy, heavy stuff. But do you know this? The psalmist says, whoever delights himself in the law of the Lord is a godly person. They didn't have the New Testament like you and I have. They didn't have the revelation of Jesus Christ which was prophesied in the Old Testament and unfolded in the New Testament. Didn't have that. But they had God's word. And their delight was there in the law of the Lord. The world at large chases after happiness. I want to ask you today, are you happy? People want to be happy. Really, really happy. And the world chases after happiness. But I want to submit to you that although some may find happiness, it's not the kind of happiness that God has provided for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Aristotle the philosopher said this, happiness is the meaning and the purpose of life. Audrey Hepburn the actress said this, the most important thing to do is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. How then can we experience real happiness? This is a question that we must examine and answer. First you must ask yourself, if you're unhappy, why am I unhappy? If I'm depressed, why am I depressed? If I'm distressed, why am I distressed? We all want to be happy in some way or another and we strive daily to find the path of happiness, whatever we think it is. But some of us come up well short. Some of us make mistakes day in and day out and that takes us away from the shining beacon of happiness at the end of the tunnel. Are you striving to find peace? Are you striving to locate that inner glow that you know must exist? Are you coming up short and finding that happiness is always a fleeting thing? Some hate their jobs or have no job. Some are lonely. Some have money worries. You'll remember that on one occasion a winner of the TV's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was prosecuted in 2003 for scooping the top prize. The prosecution claimed Major Charles Ingram scooped the game show's one million pound jackpot after a lecturer, Tetchin Whitcock, signalled the correct answers by coughing at the right moment. Do you remember that? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and 10, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Some people don't even like themselves. Life for them has become dull, boring and depressing. And as a result, many have committed suicide. 
Others turn to alcohol, drugs and gambling, hoping in their quest for happiness that they will become satisfied. Some suffer from the guilt of wrongdoing and don't know how to be pardoned from the guilt. They have no happiness. And so people are chasing after happiness. And in itself, and will never find it, for happiness is always a byproduct of something else. Jesus said the pathway to real happiness... In Matthew chapter 6 and 33 he says, seek first his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come to know the God who created you. Come to find out who he is, how he wants you to live. And it's all here in this psalm that we've read this morning. How blessed, blessed, the word blessed in the Hebrew means isha. And it's written in the plural. Oh, the blessednesses, oh, the happinesses of this man. And he's known by what he doesn't do. Look at what he doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't listen to the counsel of those who would harm him. He stands not in the pathway of sinners. This is a self-seeking and self-serving pathway. This is a pathway of sin and corruption. It is a dismal dark path and will eventually lead to an equally dark and dismal future. He sits not in the seat of the scoffers. The godly man will not join in with the mockers and the scoffers. Oh, how happy is the person who is marked by what he does not do. And my sharing of the gospel message with many people. People have said to me, Oh, these commandments, we don't like them. Why? They're written for your good. Do you know why people don't like the commandments of God? Because they love their sin. They love their sin. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't be a fornicating person. And so on and so forth. Right through the commandment. People don't want to be bound by that. They want the liberty of their sin. And when they have the liberty of their sin. They will have pleasures of sin. But only for a season. And they will never ever be really happy. Because their happiness will not be fully satisfied. So here's this. Godly man known by what he doesn't do. What does he do? Verse 2, but the godly man delights in the law of the Lord. And in this law he meditates both day and night. This is the description of a man with a heavenly purpose. And a heavenly promise. Isn't that wonderful? This man is the man that's walking in the garden with God. This man or this woman... I've got to be careful, I've got to be politically correct these days. This man or this woman is a person who, who knows the Lord, who knows that their sins have become forgiven, gone, forever. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great to know your sins are forgiven? I thank God daily for the forgiveness of sin. I thank God daily that he opened up a way through Christ's death on Calvary for the atonement of my sin. They're gone. Love that wee chorus. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Do you know it? 
Now my soul is free and in my heart a song. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that is good enough for me. I shall reign eternally. Praise God. My sins are gone. This is a man with a strong foundation. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of waters. A tremendous description of this godly person. This is a man who, like the tree, is fruitful, which yields its fruit in its season. season. Galatians 5, 22-23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. No law against love. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know if I told you this before, but I was in a church one day. I'd been asked to go and preach in Edinburgh. And uh, part of what they did was, they stood up and they shook hands with each other and welcomed each other. They sat down, see. So when I got up to preach, I said, I'm tempted to be a wee bit devilish this morning. And they said, hmm. Didn't come to the church to hear devilish talk. And I said, I wonder, it was lovely to see you all shaking hands, but I wonder if I mixed you all up and got you to sat in other places this morning, if you would be so readily able to turn around and shake your friend's hand. <laughs> and they began to laugh. What about you? Does your love look beyond another person's faults? He looked beyond my faults. I have no need to look at other person's faults. I have no need to point the finger. And when I do, there's one going up the way and another three coming back at me. We must never forget that. The love of Christ shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit is a love which is unparalleled in this universe. It's a love which fills your heart until you overflow. And it causes you to overflow with the love of Christ. The joy unspeakable and the full of glory. Is that how you feel? In your walk with God, when you come up against the problems of life, does it get you down? Or do you just say, Lord, I'm leaving this with you? I remember when I had 90, 95% of my body covered with psoriasis. And we said, what are we going to do? I said, he holds me in the hollow of his hand. That's where he held me. In the hollow of his hand. And one night when I was at my worst, and I was calling out to God in bed, and I said, Lord, this is dreadful. The itch. I was bleeding, was scratching. I had no control over it. The doctors had tried everything. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord came to my bedside. It's wonderful. And I had peace. And do you know what he showed me? The angel of the Lord showed me my new body. <laughs> We're going to get new bodies. No more psoriasis, no more heart attacks, no more strokes, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death, for all the former things will have passed away. Hallelujah. He showed me my new body. And do you know what I could remember more than anything else? I had limitless ability to worship the Savior. Isn't that wonderful? We are constrained just now by our language, by our voices, by these vocal cords, by our minds, by the way that we think. We're constrained by these things. But in this new body, we will have limitless ability 
to worship him. Hallelujah. What a wonderful saviour. This man is a man whose desire is to know nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. What kind of man or woman are you? Are you like the godly or the ungodly? Peter was ungodly in character. Peter, once walking, was once walking and pursuing after the Lord Jesus. When Jesus got arrested, Peter found himself that night by himself in a courtyard, standing among people who were not sympathetic towards the cause of Christ. And eventually, he sat himself down and denied that even he knew Jesus. I remember standing in an open air one day with dear brother Jackie Boy outside the Rialto, Bingo Hall in Airdrie. And we were witnessing to the saving and keeping power of Jesus Christ. And this woman came over and spat in Jackie's face. He didn't deny the Lord. She ran up South Bridge Street and he ran up South Bridge Street after her and caught up with her and gave her the gospel of Jesus Christ. With with grace and told her you're forgiven (laughs) wiped the spittle off his face they spat on the face of Jesus they smote him he gave his life for us should we not also give our lives for him the apostle Paul was stopped in his murderous track the only source of lasting joy in this life and beyond is by having a right relationship with God through faith in Christ. 1 Peter 1 it says, Whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is that how you feel this morning? Are you overflowing with the exuberance of the Lord? Does the joy of the Lord thrill your being? When the world come against you, do you just laugh at them? As God laughs at them? Makes no difference to us. There is no one, no one can come against my God. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The godly man will not take counsel from the wicked because he is superior. He has superior counsel in God. Do you want to find out something? Even through a storm, a problem? Come to the word of God. You'll find an answer there. You'll find the answer that will bless you. You will find an answer that will strengthen you. You will find an answer that will encourage you. You will find an answer which if you follow it through, this temple of the Holy Spirit will become even more filled to overflowing. And that's what God wants us to be. Filled to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. The ungodly are ever ready to counsel the believer. Some of their counsel is unworthy of even words. But look at what the the godly person does. He delights in the law of God. He meditates in it day and night. His faith grows stronger each day. He produces fruit to the glory of God. He does not faint when the going gets tough. Let me say that again. I have come across so many Christians who have fainted when the going gets tough. God wants to do far more for you. Will you let him? Let him come in. Open up that door. Open up that window. Let the light of the counsel of God shine into your life. 
Let him bless you abundantly. And this godly man lives a prosperous life. And prosperity is not having a big car, having a great job. This is not the kind of prosperity. The prosperity is his relationship with God. God prospers him. We think, do we not, that our happiness depends on circumstances, pockets full of money, fast cars, the big job, the sun is shining and all is well. And when we lose it, if circumstances go against me, how can I be happy? We ask the question, don't we? Human happiness depends upon circumstances and events and happenings. And as you look forward into the future, no doubt you will have said to yourself at some point, if this happens, how wonderful life is going to be. Oh, if I win the lottery, how happy I'm going to be. Don't you believe it for a minute. Oh yes, there will be some happiness in the money that you get. But I tell you now, if you go online and Google millionaires, you will discover that many of these millionaires are as miserable as sin. Miserable. Absolutely miserable. So happiness does not depend at all upon those things. Here is the great wisdom of the Bible that happiness must never be sought as an end in itself. It is a byproduct of something else. The Bible doesn't say blessed is the man that seeks after happiness, but blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates both day and night. The godly man is not seeking happiness. This is the essence of the wisdom of the Bible. If you seek happiness and live for it, you will never find it. Not true happiness. Happiness, says the Bible, depends upon two things. One, a relationship with God and his righteousness. And on what I am, a sinner saved by God's grace. Isn't that wonderful? Great to be saved. Great to have the grace of God at work in your life. It's not circumstances. It's not events that will determine whether you're happy or not. It's your relationship with God. You can come into a place like this and the people could be exuberant with worship and praise and yet you could still be miserable. Why? Because you have never experienced the real relationship of faith in Jesus Christ and the joy that that brings. You can't identify with what people sing when they say that their sins have been forgiven. There is a joy, joy, joy deep down in my heart. You can't sing it. Why? Because you've not got it. Why? Because you've never experienced the coming of Christ and the Holy Spirit into your life by faith. My dear friends, the first thing you must grasp is that they're wrong to assume that happiness comes out with the word of God. Yes, there will be things in life that will make you happy, but not lasting happiness. The real joy. Somebody said to me, but Rob, you've got a family. Yeah. Has that not made you happy? Of course. Of course. You've got a lovely wife. Has she not made you happy? Of course. But let's strip away all of the things that we have that have made us happy in life. Supposing the Lord had to take my whole family away. Supposing the Lord had to take my wife away. And I hope he doesn't. But I want to say this. Would I still be happy? I would grieve. But I would not be unhappy. Why? Because my happiness is not absolutely rooted in them. It's rooted in God who cannot die. 
who remains alive within me, whose spirit fills me and thrills me. We sing all that thrills my soul is Jesus. Is that true? What am I saying this morning? What I'm really saying is, don't depend on the things of this world, even family and friends. They will fail you sooner or later. They'll let you down. But the Lord will never let you down. And that's the message I want to get to you this morning. He's absolutely wonderful. He's glorious in every sense of the word. This is a God who created you. Who desires to save you. Not just for one day. But for the whole of your life. When I yielded my life to Jesus Christ. I yielded my life to him forever. Until the day I die or he comes to take me home. This God who created you. Who desires to save you is not willing that you should perish in hell but in his great love and mercy sent Jesus to bear the punishment for your sins that you might be redeemed and reconciled back to the heavenly father and in your faith relationship with him know the happiness spoken of by the psalmist in our text when we come to the book before psalms in fact it was read from this morning Job was Job stripped of everything? It was. Family, his friends, his wife said, curse God and die. All his possessions, material possessions, he was stripped of them. Satan said to the Lord, what about Job? He says, carry on, and you go have a go at him. But he says, I will not allow you to kill him. And he did. He had to go to Job. You know what Job said? I know that my Redeemer liveth. Isn't that wonderful? In the midst of your trials, is that where you are? If it's not, please get to that stage. Because you will discover it will be the difference between victory and failure in your life. Oh, my dear friends, this morning, if your walk is not in the counsel of the ungodly, your walk with God will be characterized with the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit in your life. If you have these qualities and they're increasing in us daily, we have evidence that we have come to know God and bear fruit as a child of God. But if these qualities are absent from our lives, then we should have the greatest concern for our souls. We should be diligent to seek God regarding our salvation or our sanctification as the case may be. We should re-examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. We must be diligent to make our calling and election sure. That's what the Bible says. If you're an unbeliever, may God give you deciding grace to repent and believe in Christ. To work in darkness is a terrible thing. Even sometimes as a believer, we can be walking in darkness and not realize it. The story's told of a, an old Irish a farmer and he had a, a Scottish uh, support worker and of course it was in the days when they had oil lamps and uh, an Irish farmer chided him about walking out with a, a, an oil lamp, he says, that's a waste waste of time he says, why, why are you walking with an oil lamp 
He says, I'm going looking for a woman. I need a woman, he says, they'll marry me. He says, well, you don't need a lamp to do that. He says, when I found a woman, he says, I wasn't looking for a lamp, taking a lamp with me. Aye, well, he says, you might be right, but look at the woman you got. There's a lesson there for us. Don't walk in darkness. Walk in the light of God's word. And I tell you, when you walk in the light of God's word, you will experience the blessedness of the psalmist. You will know this joy unspeakable and full of glory. When you come into the presence of the Lord daily and you saturate yourself with him, you will discover there is joy unspeakable. My dear friends, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in, I think of a woman who went through Palestine. Her name was Mother Teresa and I listened to her testimony. And she was absolutely filled with God. While the American missionaries were coming out of Palestine, she stayed. And she says, I knew the power and the presence of God in my soul as I helped these people who were bleeding and dying. She says, I don't get involved in the politics of it. I see a need. And then she says, God takes me into a situation. I will minister to that need. And she was ministering. Why? Because she was conscious of the presence of God in her life. Let me ask you, have you come into touch with someone during your lifetime where you knew they were carrying the anointing of the Spirit of God? I've met one or two like that. When I went into their presence, I knew they were filled with the fullness of God. Let me encourage you this morning to draw near to Him. To hang on to His Word. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My word, said the Lord, shall never pass away. May God bless you. Thank you.